I share this with you in present time. December the 26th, 2018. Mitch Gilman. Greetings, dear Edwin. The artist Marsman is sending to his friend and fellow colleague from the Central a small collection of family portraits. Just think of them simply as a very personal and special delivery of high-class Hallmark greeting cards. This was Boxing Day, huh? First, some background information to set the scene. The mighty Sparrow is pretty well regarded as the greatest Calypsonian of all time. One of Sparrow's greatest Calypso masterpiece hits ever was his very first. Just want to even know my knees are shaking. No, my knees are supposed to shake. Yes, the immortal Gene and Dino, which took the carnival of 1956 completely by surprise by tropical hailstorm and hurricane both. It swept the place completely off its feet. The whole island was jumping to Jean and Dinah. Peter Mitchell was a boy of 15, jumping in the midst of it all. Just recently, in response to a request from Ashraf to do something small for his mini gallery art show on the subject of Sparrow, I did just that, a little something, which I want to share with you, in this case being Edwin. The mighty sparrow with Jean and Dinah, Rosita and Clementina, a fancy sailor mass of gods and goddesses of the universe, literally drawn from the carnival streets of life, as played by Mitch, Monty, Greta, Mauve, and Ingrid, respectively. Season's greetings from us all. We have flown to heaven with Sparrow and his downtown sex girls and become a glorious, fantastical, irreverent band of angels. Hallelujah! Line closed <sighs> with my email these five portraits of myself and my family, my family consisting of this, at this stage of the game of three dogs, a cat, and me, all playing fancy sailor mass. I sent it to him. In the full knowledge that Mori the cat would any day be a way to heaven because Mori had been suffering for weeks now from cancer of the jaw. 
and the time was near. And Miss Ingrid, who played Clementina, had been brought to bone, literally, with little skin left. So death was in the house. And I was very lonely. And it was the day after Christmas. And as I sent it to him, something take me mine. And I search in all the confusion under the computer, and I find him Mr. Number. Erminidus is Minch. I don't know what you do on Boxing Day in Venezuela, but here in Trinidad, the masked man is all alone. And his family, two of them close to death. But if you're not doing nothing for dinner tonight, I could do a good cook-up. I'll give you a choice between filet of salmon or filet mignon. He chooses salmon. He say, I'm coming. I guess in between the lines from our earlier meetings and my promise to fulfill an agenda that UTT had of sending him and a group of students to Prague with an element of mass. With a little bit of help from image as part of their journey, I had decided on the subject that would be teachable and workable with a bunch of students, and that was going to be my gift to him at night. So at six o'clock, Monty and Rita set up a barking. Mr. Edwin Rich with a bottle of chilled coconut water. And we went in the kitchen and I started to cook. And he, as he did the time before, started to talk and to tell stories all about Nicaragua and him as a student. And me turning around, putting in my little two cents. And then hops copying it. Was he what I was looking for? Upscotching it back to the central. Me having just read in the New York Times that Ralph Coltai dead, who used to teach me in the central. And me being unafraid and him being all embracing when Moby the Cat wandered into the kitchen with his malodorous scent of death. And he helped me to brave up and it was of no matter at all because as a fellow artist he understands these things. Lorca was our great connection. Whose poems were introduced to me as a boy from a young woman from Venezuela. And so Lorca's the, the weeping. Nothing is heard but the weeping. There are no dogs that bark. A thousand violins fit into the palm of the hand. Words like that connected this Venezuelan and this 
I don't like to say Trini because I find it diminutive. This Caribbean. to give me the opportunity with your understanding of sharing with you dated December the 27th. Oh, Minchel, I've been thinking of you all day. I wish I could do something to ease the pain. I can only offer my friendship the love, the beauty, and the sheer joy of this sparrow mass moves me deeply. The celebration of the eternal bond of the families we create. The power of your art to make us all extraordinary. To raise the streets to heaven. Your spirit, the light, and the lightness you share. What a gift you have shared with me. Bon courage, my friend. Edwin Ermini. December the 27th, 2018. Minch to Ermin. I like the men in the Minch and the men in the Ermin. It seemed to have a connection for, for something or other. Plan elsewhere. Move and Miss Ingrid were buried today under the cement tree. Rosita and Clementina are now released to sing hallelujah to the universe. Eternity and infinity, thunder and lightning, all intersecting crosswords at the C-E-N-T-E-R of our lives. I raise my glass to your raising the streets to heavens. Thank you. And I thank your Botticelli. Vodka and orange juice. Mauvais said I must. That he should leave me in high spirits. Love you, any Venezuela man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Coca-Cola refresca incomparablemente mejor. spirit, the light and the lightness you shine. What a gift you have shared with us all.
I don't like directors to tell me what to do <laughs> because I'm rebellious. I rebel against that idea. No, but also because a smart director knows how to tap into the talents of, her, of his or her team. So if you're a smart director, you let people express themselves and then you'll gather the, I mean, in the end, the credit will be yours as a director if the thing works great. Or if it fails, you know, the director is obviously the head of the team. But a, a creative, intelligent director is open to the talent of, of his or her team. And Roma's very smart in that sense. She gave us free reign, we read the text, we heard her ideas, her basic concepts, what she wanted to do, and from there we just did what we wanted to do. And we got, we got good feedback, so it's, it's a good process. What's the scariest thing about the process? The scariest thing is what we never know, which is how the audience is going to take it. We never know if people are going to love it or hate it, if it's going to work or not. If, because if you want to play it safe, you're going to be boring. You'll, you'll do the same set you've always done because you know it works for the audience, right? So you won't take a risk. And then you become boring and repetitive and you're always doing the same thing. And you don't want to do that. As, as an artist, you don't want to do that. You want to challenge yourself all the time. But that puts you in a very vulnerable position because you're risking it. I mean, it, people might hate it. And two days from today, I might be the most depressed person or the happiest person in the world, I don't know. Because people might actually hate it, I don't know that. And I guess no one knows. I mean, the director does, and the performance does. So that's that's the risky thing about being in the performing arts. Yeah, you just have to wait for people and pray for work. What's the worst experience you had? Oh my God! In my life? In the set design life? Well, yeah, my my second set ever was was a, quite a privilege. I got I got to do a baroque opera, a very you know important project for me at the time. And I built a set and I made the worst beginner's mistake. I didn't measure the, the loading entrances of the theater. And I got a call at midday from the director who tells me, your whole set is in the middle of the street because it doesn't go through the door. What are you going to do So, big lesson learned. First thing you measure is the loading entrance of a, of a theater. You need to know if your set is going to fit or not. That's embarrassing. That's bad. But I was a kid and I, and I didn't go to school. I, I'm self-taught. I was self-taught at that time. So, yeah, you pay, you pay the consequences of being mute. So you went to school for this Yeah, I went to school being an old man. I, I well, in, in my country there was no school for theater design. So I studied architecture because I love space. Uh, and while I was doing architecture, I, I started learning, I took dance lessons before I wanted to be a dancer. And I wanted to sing, and I wanted to be an actor, and I just wanted to be an architect. So I realized the only way of joining, wanting to be all those things and an architect was to be the guy who creates the space for dancers and actors and musicians on a stage. So I became a designer. But I, I taught myself to do it. I mean, with the tools I got from architecture, I just applied them to the performing arts. And... They are measuring, we, we, got, we got some measurements wrong, uh, some public measurements wrong, and we need to make last minute corrections on them. And that's going to be a last minute rush. So they're actually measuring how to do that early tomorrow morning. Never a